Welcome to the Moments of Illumination podcast. Each episode, you will hear stories from everyday people sharing remembrances of a shift in consciousness, self-discovery, or moments of illumination. My path includes A Course in Miracles, but this podcast embraces all paths. As A Course in Miracles states, a universal theology is impossible, but a universal experience is not only possible but necessary. We hope you will follow our podcast and enjoy the stories of inspiration from a richly diverse group of individuals in the days and weeks to come. Welcome to Moments of Illumination. This is Linda, your host. Today we bring you part one of a two-part series called The Experience. It is my own personal story of illumination, and I hope you enjoy it. The Fulfillment of a Promise If you are blessed and do not know it, you need to learn it must be so. A Course in Miracles, Chapter 14, Section 1 my brother won the lottery along with his fiancée. The prize amounted to $2 million split evenly between four winning tickets. My mother had died six months prior to their winning, and I wondered if this was her way of communicating some cosmic intention. I felt sad for a moment that the lottery forgot about me, and then what must have been my higher self asked if I would be satisfied with money after losing my mother. The answer that came to mind was that I'd rather like to know whether or not God is real, because my mother's early cancer diagnosis and passing at the young age of 49 had decimated my life and my belief in a religious God. I remember asking in my mind to know whether or not God really exists, as that was what my soul truly hungered to know. With such an overriding sense of poverty circumscribing my life after the loss of my mother, making the request to know if God was real felt to me like a lottery. The odds of receiving an answer to my prayer were somewhere around one in a million. It was some time after I picked up a book on the principles of A Course in Miracles that I finally purchased my own copy of the three-volume set. The book sat unopened on my bookshelf for months until I visited a spiritual education center and listened to a speaker provide an overview of the material to an unemotional audience. During the break, I opened my copy and read a few random sections of the course. In doing so, something peculiar happened to me. I recognized the words as coming from a place of truth within my own mind. There was instant recognition of the meaning behind the words. I realized an innate coupling of truth and being, message and messenger within my heart. I felt like I was reading something that I had written. I understood it intuitively. I would later try to demonstrate how I discovered that wellspring of realization. How would you remember something without ever once knowing it? 
You will remember the truth when you accept that you must have once known it and thereby are capable of knowing it again. Would God be foreign to you being the sole creator of his beloved creation? I decided I would attend the ongoing course reading and meditation group. It was not like a plan you make with yourself half-heartedly. I was certain that I would be there, not because I enjoyed social gatherings in which I knew no one, but because I was certain that there was something that I did know, and it would be entirely welcome and relevant at the meeting. Descending the stairs to the meeting, my eyes lit on shoes cluttering a landing as a group approached the apartment door while a couple lagged behind, working on laces and ordering. My heartbeat quickened as the door clicked shut for a second time and I was left all alone in the hallway. I flipped off my shoes and placed them like puzzle pieces on the far end of the landing. I paused to wonder if they would be there when I returned. I felt a bit like a vagrant turning my back, abandoning them to a sea of unfamiliar mates. I knocked, and the host returned, boasting a welcome to me while taming my nervous anticipation. As the group chatted with one another in the kitchenette, I scouted out the most comfortable overstuffed seat along the periphery of the room. An introspective older man rocked awkwardly on a rattan back chair, its giant circular rails resembling a Christmas sleigh. This sleigh appeared to function more like athletic equipment than a good choice for a crowded meditation. The man himself appeared beleaguered and depressed, as if he had been taken hostage by the circumstances of his life. I surmise worked over by imaginary thugs in a back alley of his mind while a profound disdain inhibits him from formulating the details for an official complaint. I did not know the man, yet I could empathetically understand his haunt remarkably well. I felt the potential for sharing something new with this poor, aching soul. Instead of concern, I chose to simply trust. My heart felt pleasantly warm as I elected to stay by the inner fire and to say nothing at all until I was moved to speak by inspiration. The room was reaching capacity and people took to their seats to begin the meditation. An old friend came from the office, sidestepping down a narrow road to be seated. My friend looked to me like an angel steward, close-cropped hair, an older gentleman with a quiet altar-boy expression, well-groomed in his necktie and suit. He loved music, coffee shops, and, of course, a course in miracles. 
He was the only one I knew who had set his watch to chime for his daily workbook practices and maintained a near-perfect adherence to every chime. The room fell silent as the host started the meditation. A familiar score began to play, filling the room with a sense of hope, gratitude, and mounting expectation. I notice how very much at peace I am. My breath, so free it's breathing itself fully, without any effort, obstacles, or restrictions. I think to myself, what a luxury. It is okay if I just disappear. Nothing here is holding me back. And why, after all, would I resist? As I sit in this beautiful space deep within my body and mind, I feel something centermost in my belly turn, maybe just one quarter of a full turn. It is a very slight adjustment, but it makes all the difference to my sense of self as more relaxation releases. I'm filled increasingly with a rich sense of holiness, love, warmth, optimism, joy, and gratitude, all in one full heart. I remember having the option of denying the progression of the experience, I could have said, this is too much for me, I am afraid, I'm going to lose myself, but I did not. I allowed the energy to change me. The conduit of entry was alchemy by way of increased vibration, dissolving the little sense of me into a vast ocean of what is already gloriously alive the source that is our very being, our breath, our life. no idea what I look like to the people meditating in the room. I probably look like a person with their eyes closed, completely at rest. I have no idea because one condition belies the other. I was no longer there in the confines of my personal headspace, or the room for that matter. I was being introduced to the nature of God by way of the energy of compassionate witnessing. The only intelligent thing I did, if there be any commitment that I made that evening, was to assume the part of accepting myself as compassionate witness, to boldly go there and to accept the real strength of what was already given me to follow my intuition about the very first glimmerings of joining 
that came with my first encounter with the Course, and to stay in a state of giving welcome. How bold, how very unprecedented for me. I would later find the following passage in A Course in Miracles from Chapter 21, Section 1. Beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see and yet somehow familiar, is an arc of golden light that stretches into a great and shining circle, and all the circle fills with light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear, and what is in it is no longer contained at all. The light expands and covers everything, extending to infinity, forever shining with no break or limit anywhere. Within it, everything is joined in perfect continuity. Nor is it possible to imagine that anything would be outside, for there is nowhere that this light is not. The passage describes perfectly what happened to me in meditation. I had the subjective experience of the compassionate witness joining with me to fill my heart with even more love and increasing joy. With the movement of increasing frequency and invocation with the message, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, declared from my innermost. I then merged with the pure energy of my very nature. I could finally only breathe peace. I was finally deeply at home. As my awareness returned to the meditation room, I noticed a transcendent realm of light interplaying with form. A young man seated across from me held a great mix of unexplored feelings, while just above him an entity looked on empathetically. From all appearances on the level of form, he registers no recognition of this beautiful entity manifesting from above. Marveling in astonishment, I can only accept on his behalf that it is so, in full recognition that we are cared for, despite whether or not we are yet consciously aware. The empty echo of our specific beliefs in separation rendered completely meaningless in that very moment. The light form seemed more interpretive than the experience of union with the divine that I was returning from. If I were to believe only in the angelic vision, I would walk away much like this story, the blind men and the elephant, feeling the elephant's ear and then describing all experiences big and eerie. And if I were to do so, I would be missing the point entirely. The experience of God is beyond the realm of evaluation described as beautific vision, or even guidance for that matter. 
I was surprised to realize on a practical level that beyond self-awareness is the being, the very nature of God. Interpretation, then, on any level may be said to be purely evaluative and therefore part of the concept of the individual consciousness and not the experience of the unified whole. How utterly amazing! impression of the young man and the beautiful entity, but I cannot picture in my mind the actual revelatory experience of God, because the experience was given to me. It was not imagined nor made. In this way, my experience is protected and preserved for me. I would see how important this distinction is later in time. There were no overseers nor middlemen in my experience. It was purely given and received. This helps me to understand perfection and safety in the very nature of our spiritual life. Miracles are natural. Our state of mind in God is perfection. Life is living. There is truly nothing to fear. I remember forcing myself to recall the overarching lesson of what I had just experienced as I was gathering up my belongings after meditation. Now I can tell everyone with absolute certainty God really is real. During the meditation, I had moved into the energy of something entirely other. It was unlike our experience in form inasmuch as it was quite the opposite of being physical. God is behind the form, I reminded myself, everywhere, but the form seemingly covers it. I remember making the analogy that being human is like being a fish outside of a fishbowl. Reuniting with source feels like returning the fish to the fishbowl, returning it to the environment on which it depends for its very breath and life. The water is the life-sustaining nature. It is what is natural to the fish. We, too, are like the fish in the Creator. What we call God is our vast ocean of unlimited expanse. When we come back to our true nature, we remember the condition of our being is entirely without limits. host approach me. I just want you to know that I know you experienced something profound tonight. He had a way of holding your shoulders tightly until you received the message he was attempting to convey. 
I had tears rolling down my face when the meditation ended, and I had not noticed whether he saw or understood what was happening to me. I did not think there was any way he could. The experience was unlike any other experience I had ever had. It was something that I felt was given me from the very heart of compassion itself. As I walked out of the meeting, my personality, my status in life, how others may or may not perceive me, people I would learn to reconcile with, things I needed to work out in myself, all remained seemingly there. What was completely different in me was my awareness of how I could be this small self while also aware of remembering Source. Not more than five years after the winning lottery ticket, I sit in meditation as a witness to the beautiful energy of God, without credentials or a spiritual network or resume, just ordinary, fallible little me. Up and until that point, I had been aching with insecurities, poverty, judgment, worry, loss, and despair, locked and isolated in the impasse. And now I walk out of the meeting with the understanding that God truly is, all the while seeming others are dreaming of separate interests. I did not know what I would do with this information, but I knew I had been waiting for it for a long time. Thank you for listening to the Moments of Illumination podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at moi.podcast or email us at momentsofillumination at gmail.com.